your Bibles this morning, I would invite you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We've been in a series through 1 Corinthians for some time now, and uh, two weeks ago we got parked, so to speak, in 1 Corinthians 13. This is my third message, and we're, we're parked on the love is statements. Last week we looked at love is patient. And this morning we're going to look at love is kind. And I, again, I'd invite you to pull out those message notes and follow along. And by the way, I'm using my brand new Bible that the folks bought me last week. Thank you so much, church. That was a wonderful pastor's appreciation Sunday. And we got a basket full of stuff. And I opened that basket up and I've got my brand new Bible here. And I appreciate it so much. Those of you who do, do not know my other Bible I had, I had for years and years and years, and it was so old and it was falling apart that I was missing part of Genesis. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, I've got my Bible here. So if you want to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I'd invite you to do so. Let's look at verses 4 through 8. Look at the priority of love in verses 1 through 3. And then now we're looking at the action of love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Would you join me in prayer this morning, please? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I'm asking that you would help me to share your word. Thank you for it. Thank you for the example that you set, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the example that you set, God the Father and Holy Spirit. I'm asking this morning that you would help me to share this word to where we live at in our lives this uh, fall of 2014. In Jesus Christ's name we pray again. Amen. A, a Peanuts cartoon strip, a Peanuts cartoon strip shows Lucy with her arms folded and with a scowl on her face. She is one unhappy camper. Lucy, Charlie Brown, says to her, you need to be more loving. You need to be more kind. The world really needs love. You have to let yourself love in order to make the world a better place. Lucy, in response, angrily whirls, whirls around and knocks Charlie Brown to the ground. Look, blockhead, the world I love, people I can't stand. And that's the truth, often, isn't it? Isn't it? We have a hard time at times getting along with other people. Again, we're in a series on the love is statements. And this week in 13, chapter 13, verse 4, second part, it says, love is kind. Last week we said that love is patient. That means that it's a slow, slow boil. That means that, in essence, God is trusting in God, that he is working without 
exercising worry and agitation and complaining and grumbling. Well, what does it mean to be kind? What does it mean to be kind? Did you know that the Old Testament word for kindness is kessid or chesed? It means gentle. It means compassionate. It means caring. Did you know that many Old Testament scholars view this loving kindness of God, this kessid, as being the primary trait, the primary char- 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 characteristic, excuse me, of God from which all the other characteristics of God flows from. Remember, Moses led the children of Israel out of slavery. They went through the Red Sea, and they began to wander around the wilderness for a moment, so to speak, and finally they ended up at the base of the mountain of God, Mount Sinai. And Moses took two stone tablets, and he walked up to the top, and the Bible says that God appeared in a cloud, and he spoke aloud to Moses these words, The Lord your God is compassionate, slow to anger, extremely patient, and abounding, in essence, overflowing with kesed, overflowing with loving kindness. This is one of the primary characteristics of God. Because of his loving kindness, he wants to repair a broken world. The New Testament word for kindness is um, krestos. It, it means moral goodness. It means gentleness toward others. And the most practical application that we have of kindness is building others up through encouraging, encouraging deeds and encouraging words, which we'll talk about in just a moment. Plato said, be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. Mother Teresa said, kind words can be short and easy to speak, but their echoes are endless. Mark Twain said, kindness is a language which the deaf can hear and the blind can see. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, you cannot do a kindness too soon, for you never know how soon it will be too late. Solomon wrote, in Proverbs 19.22, far more than looks, far more than beauty, far more than power and fame, kindness makes a man or a woman attractive. Albert Schweitzer said, constant kindness can accomplish as much as the sun makes ice melt. Kindness can cause misunderstandings, mistrust, and hostility to absolutely evaporate. Here are three facts, three biblical facts about kindness. Fact number one, kindness is not natural to us. The opposite is true. Kindness is not natural to us. Notice in your message notes, notice Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, that kindness is the fruit of the Spirit. It is a byproduct of loving God. It is a byproduct of experiencing God's loving kindness in our own lives. It's a byproduct of what we call of being born again. Kindness is not natural to us, and it's a byproduct, it's a fruit of the Spirit, of being born again, and this is what the Word of God says. Love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness. The fruit of the Spirit. Kindness is not natural to us. 
Fact number two. Kindness is not just being nice. Kindness is not just be just being syrupy sweet, you might want to say. It goes way beyond this. Did you know that kindness is also an action? Kindness is also an attitude. Kindness is one of those things where you have to be strong at times to be kind. Does that make sense? You have to be strong at times to be kind. Because kindness is one of those things where it's an action or attitude despite what is happening around us, despite how another person is treating us, despite a hostility that another person may be coming toward us, despite what another person is saying, whether it's positive or negative, it takes strong, strong. Really, we, we get the root word of uh, uh, meekness is strength and control. And that's really what we're talking about here. When we show kindness to another person, even a person that's hostile toward us, it takes a sh- inner strength to do that at times, especially when the person is not kind back toward us or they're hostile in some way. Did you know that this kind of kindness can absolutely change individuals and people? Now, this is what we read in, R- in Romans chapter 12, and this is in your message notes as well, verses 19 through 21. The Apostle Paul gives these admonishments. Don't avenge yourselves, context, instead exercise kindness. Feed your enemies. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink, and you will heap burning coals of fire on his head. In other words, he will feel bad for the evil that he's doing. Now, if you were to look at this, like I've looked at this before, this heaping coals, burning coals upon his head, there are all kinds of disagreements about what Paul had in mind when he wrote this, all kinds of different theories. But almost every biblical scholar agrees with this thought. This thought came from this particular passage of Scripture. That is, you've heard the term, kill them with what? Kill them with kindness. In the face of hostilities, in the face of unkindness towards you, in the face of anger, in the face of all of this stuff that comes your way, the Bible says that kindness is one of the most powerful tools that God uses in individuals' lives to help change other people. Fact number three. Fact number three, biblical fact. Exercising kindness is not a suggestion. It is not a suggestion. Rather, we are, if we're to follow God the Father and Christ's example, we are to follow God the Father and Christ's example. In other words, it's a commandment. God expressed loving kindness toward us. Christ expressed loving kindness toward us. And we as followers of Jesus Christ are to express loving kindness toward other people. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Notice it says, Be kind, be compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as Christ, God, forgave you. And while we're yet sinners, the Bible says, Christ loved us so much that he died for us. And this is the kind of loving kindness and sacrifice that we're supposed to have toward other people, even people that are often abusive of us. Howard Thurman is a famous preacher of yesteryear. Howard Thurman wrote a number of books. And in one of Howard Thurman's, this black preacher of yesteryear, he talks about a time 
that he saw loving kindness put into action. He, blew, he grew up in a black sharecropper's home. This was many, many years ago. And he said that behind them, across the fence, lived a, in another house, lived a white uh, sharecropper family. And they, they, they got a new family in the home behind them. And right away, this white sharecropper family began to clean out the chicken coop. And they cleaned out all of the chicken manure. And they took it out and they dumped it on the other side of the fence into Howard Thurman's family's backyard. And this black sharecropper's son was livid. He was livid. And his father was so upset and so angry at the white sharecropper family for doing this, uh, doing this to them. So upset. Furious at this great insult. But Howard Thurman's mother said, Now you let me handle this. I know what to do. And she left that manure right there in the June sun, July sun, August sun, and in September, she began to turn up the soil a little bit where that manure was at. By then it had rotten away and mixed into the soil. That spring, she turned over the soil a little bit more and she planted some vegetables and she planted some flowers. In the first part of June, she harvested her first flowers and vegetables. She went through the gate of the backyard. She went around the side of the house to her next door neighbor. She went up on the porch of this white sharecropper family. She knocked on the door and she said, I want to thank you folks for the manure that you dumped in our yard. Here are some vegetables and here are some flowers for you. Howard Thurman said that they became fast friends with that white, white sharecropper family. Why? That's kindness. Kindness knocks down barriers. It knocks down walls. It knocks down hostilities. It knocks down anger. Kindness can go where nobody can go. Exercising kindness when people treat you in such an unkind way, such a hostile way. It is a transformative um, attitude, fruit of the Spirit, action, when we exercise kindness. In the remaining amount of my message this morning, I, I want us to get very practical. Because one of the definitions of kindness is, is building people up. Building people up with kindness. And in Romans chapter 15, verse 2, this is what it says. I believe it's right there in your message notes. We should consider the good of our neighbor and build up his character. Well, how do we build people up? Now, this message this morning is for everyone. This message is for everyone. 
If you've ever been a teacher, if you've ever been a parent, if you're a grandparent, if you're a husband, if you're a wife, if you're a friend, if you ever have a business partner, if you work with coworkers, if you go to school, if you're retired, all of us influence other people. One way or another, we influence other people. And there are people that we can build up. There are people that we can bring out the best of them. We want to look at the four things now that can give people, that we can build up people and bring out the best in them. Now, we build people up through kindness, not criticism. Kindness is giving people what they need, not what they deserve. Giving people what they need and not what they deserve. And Jesus gave people four things, the same four things, I believe, that we need to learn to give other people if we're going to be people builders, if you're going to bring out the best in people. Number one, you have to give people a reminder to the calling, to the dreams, to the purposes, to the objectives that they feel themselves called to. We have to give people a, a reminder of the calling that they have on their lives. You, are you saying, Pastor Ron, that everybody's called to ministry? I'm not saying that. But each of us have a set of spiritual gifts. Each of us have, a, have a, a direction that we feel like God's leading us in. Each of us have goals. Each of us have dreams. And often what we have to do as mentors and teachers, as grandparents, as fathers, as mothers, as people of influence, we have to constantly remind these people that they do have a calling that they do have a dream, that they do have some sort of purpose that God has called them to in their lives. And we see Jesus doing this all the time. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Paul says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And he wrote that to the Ephesian church. He didn't write it to an individual. This means across the board that everybody has some sort of calling in their life. Our callings. Paul is urging people, in other words, to make their life count. He's challenging them. He's saying, don't waste your life. Be all that God wants you to be. Why? Because, again, God has called us. He's given us visions. He's given us dreams. He's given us aspirations. And we are the call forth the best in other people's lives. And we can exercise kindness in the life by helping them discover uh, the callings that they have in their lives. This came home to me. Uh, as I was reminded this last week about, of all things, yes, I'm going to use a football illustration. Some of you are saying, Pastor Ron, you're so, you always use those football illustrations, but I'm going to use it anyway. I was reminded of the Green Bay Packers in the 1940s and 50s. They had 12 losing seasons. 12 losing seasons. 75% of the time they lost. They only won 25% of the game. In 1958, they won one game and they lost 10 games. One in 10. But in 1959, a man came along by the name of Vince Lombardi. And for the next nine seasons, they almost won every single one of their games. They were 75% winning and 25% losing, and they won five national championships, including the first two Super Bowls. And Vince Lombardi said his number one goal 
was to always remind people of their God-given talents and to use those for God and for his utmost. Now, Vince Lombardi has been misquoted. He's been misquoted. Everybody thinks that Vince Lombardi said, winning is everything. He did not say that. He was misquoted. He said the key to success is constantly reminding people that they've been called to sacrifice themselves for a greater cause than just themselves. This is the call that we have as mentors and teachers, as retirees, as grandparents. We exercise kindness by challenging people to remember the things that God has called them to do in their lives. All of us need people who care enough, who are kind enough to remind us, to challenge us, to call us, to live our lives to our potential, to build other people up. Now, this is not easy to do at times, admittedly. Paul and Barnabas worked well together on a number of missionary endeavors, but they had such a Donnybrook, they had such a disagreement that we read in Acts chapter 15, verses 37 through 39, that they parted company. Why? They had an argument over John Mark. Paul said, he abandoned us in Pamphylia, and I don't want anything to do with that young man. He's disappointed me one too many times. And Barnabas, the son of encouragement, said, no, Paul, this is the time to lift him up. This is the time to build him up. This is the time to challenge him. And they had a disagreement. And Paul went his way, and Barnabas went this way. And I thank the Lord for the Barnabases of this world. I needed Barnabases. You need Barnabases. We need people to give us a second chance, a third chance. And Barnabas gave him another chance and poured his life into him. And the Bible tells us that John Mark eventually was reconciled with Paul and became Paul's right-hand man. And later on, he became Peter's right-hand man. And later on, he became Timothy's right-hand man. He became a leader in the church. So challenge people. Encourage people that these individuals and, and people that we influence in our lives uh, show kindness by challenging them and reminding them of the calling. Number two, by, by, believing in the, by believing in them, you exercise kindness by also believing in them. Romans, chapter, uh, Romans 15, verse 2, in a modern paraphrase, this is what it reads. We who are strong in the faith ought to help the weak those who need kindness, in order to build them up in the faith. Again, we need confidence boosters. When somebody believes in you, it brings out the best in you. It gives you courage. I believe in you. I know that you can do it. I believe in you. And this is exactly what Jesus did in the Apostle Peter's life. Remember? Peter, his name, Petros, means pebble pebble. And Jesus said, pebble, you're going to be a rock. <laughs> you're going to be a rock. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you a new name. His name was Peter Simon Bar-Jonah, which means son of John. His real name was Rock Johnson. Come on. 
Thorny, I know. But when Jesus said to Peter, when he said that to Peter, he was anything but a rock. Right? Peter was impetuous. Peter, Peter was always sticking his foot in his mouth. Peter was one of those guys who said, I'm going to walk on top of the water. What happened to Peter? He slipped underneath the water. He started drowning. He was anything but a rock. And yet Jesus said to him, He said, Peter, you're going to be a rock. You're going to be a rock. Jesus did not tell him what he was. He told him what he could be. And that's believing in another person. That's believing in someone else. When you label somebody, you reinforce what they are. Lazy, unorganized, temper problem. Don't tell people what they are. Tell people what they can become. Build people up. One time, God said to a man in the Old Testament, Gideon, here is Gideon hiding in a wine press, barely eking out of existence, trying to get his next meal, trying to get a little bit of grain together for, for bread, and all of a sudden God appears to an angel and tells Gideon, you're a mighty man of courage. You're a mighty man of valor. And Gideon's hiding in the wine press. He's anything but that. Gideon was afraid of his own shadow. Gideon was some sort of wimp, some sort of Don Knotts type of guy, afraid of his own shadow. And yet God said to him, you are a mighty man of valor. You're a mighty man of courage. Believe in people. Encourage people. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. This is what we read. Encourage one another. It says, build one another up. And if you want to build people up, you've got to give them a challenge and you've got to remind them. You've got to remind them that they have a calling on their life. And you've got to say, I know that you can do it. I know that you can do it. Here are some suggestions for encouragement. These are not in your message notes. You can write this out in the margin someplace. But when you give encouragement to people, make sure it's real. Make sure it's sincere. No, no flattery. No manipulative flattery. Not, not phony manipulation. And, and, and number two, it needs to be regular. It needs to be regular. Don't be stingy with your encouragement. Give it out all the time. I don't know why it's so hard. We have such a hard time giving out encouragement. Oh, if I give them too much encouragement, they're going to get a big head. No, they're not. Ruth L. Graham, remember Billy Graham's wife, was asked a number of years ago, aren't you afraid that Billy's going to get a big head from all the cards and all the accolades he receives? And Ruth Bell Graham said, my job is to love Billy. It is God's job to humble him. We can't give enough encouragement because we live in such a discouraging world and such a discouraging place. Dads, when was the last time you wrote a note of encouragement to your kids or told them in person that you appreciate them for all the things that they're doing and what they're endeavoring to do? Spouses, when was the last time you wrote a note of encouragement or said to your spouse that you appreciate all the things that they're endeavoring to do in your life? When was the last time you said to a young person, when was the last time you said to a grandson, person, a grandchild, when was the last time you said to a neighbor or whatever it may be, 
complimenting them, patting on the back because they're doing something that's noteworthy. It's important to exercise encouragement in a person's life. We also build up people by kindness, by going to people and giving them loving advice. Yes, that's part of it too. Giving them loving advice and correction at times. Did you know that there's no progress without learning? There's no learning without honest feedback. We, we all need people who, who will lay it on the line and be honest with us. Listen to Proverbs 27:17. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Proverbs 24:26, in a modern paraphrase, reads, "An honest answer is a sign of true friendship." In other words, as parents, as grandparents, as spouses, as teachers, as friends, as grandparents, as employees, co-workers, we are in a position to give people honest feedback. Honest feedback. A real friend, a person of influence, will tell you when you're making a mistake. They'll wound you with the truth. A real friend will level with you. They'll care enough to lovingly correct you. Even when it's painful, they'll tell you the truth. Correction done rightly builds people up. Correction done wrongly scars people. Scars people. What's the difference, Pastor Ron? It's our attitude in the correcting. If our attitude is, I'm going to point out some weakness in your life because I love to point out weaknesses in other people's lives. That's the wrong attitude. But if I'm going to point out a weakness in your life because I care about you, because I love you, and because I want you to do better, that's all the difference in the world. It's our attitude. What's the right motive? Ephesians 4.15 Speak the truth in love. That's the attitude. Did you know that one time Jesus scolded. He scolded the Apostle Peter for doing the wrong thing and saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. Another sports illustration. But this is basketball. This is not football. One of the greatest basketball coaches that ever lived was who? John Wooden. Thank you so much, John Wooden. Year after year, for 10 years straight, back-to-back NCAA championships, the UCLA Bruins won all of these championships. And I read that during one of the final seasons, a couple of research psychologists went to study John Wooden's coaching technique. His technique, he called, was this. Scold, instruct. Scold, instruct. He would say to a person, don't do it this way, rather do it this way. Then he would demonstrate and he would show them how he wanted it done. The purpose and the motive was never to say, you're blowing it, you're doing it wrong. The purpose was always, no, it's not like that, it's like this. And then he demonstrated what he wants. We need to build people up. We need to challenge them. And we also need to give them advice and to say, this is what you need to do. 
not just tell them it's bad just for badness sake, but to correct, give instruction. Really, that's the difference between punishment and discipline. Anybody can punish a child. Anybody can scold a child. But discipline is where you say, this is what you're doing wrong, and this is what I want you to do. You give them correction. Well, number four, we can also build people up with kindness. We can also build people up with kindness by giving them full credit. In other words, by praising the growth and changes that you do see in their lives. Look at Proverbs, excuse me, look at Romans chapter 12, verse 10. It says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Another paraphrase reads, Let us have warm affections for one another and a willingness to let others have the credit. Do you remember, he's passed away now, I believe, but do you remember General Norman Schwarzkopf during Operation Desert Storm? That's going to date some of us. He was always giving credit away. The soldiers... The President of the United States, Colin Powell, he was always pointing to the guys in the trenches, constantly giving credit away. How quickly do I share the credit? Now, now when you look at these four things on how to build people up with kindness, you see it always costs to invest, to work with people. It requires time, it requires effort, often money, energy, and even a lack of privacy. It always costs at times to be kind. Well, why should we do it then? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. The Living Bible paraphrase reads, In response to all that God has done for us, let us do outdo each other in being helpful and kind to each other. Now, did you get that? In response to what God has done for us, how God has expressed loving kindness to us, we should outdo one another in expressing loving kindness to one another. We should have a contest. Who could be the most kind? Who could be the most loving? Who could be the most patient? Who could be the most giving? We should have this contest because we can't outdo what God has done for us. Did you know, I read, that the Roman word shortly after Jesus Christ died and resurrected and went to be with God the Father as the church was organizing that the Roman culture often confused two words. Two words. They confused the word Christos and Christos. Christos, Christ, C-H-R-I-S-T-O-S and Christos, kindness, C-H-R-E-S-T-O-S. And I thought to myself, what a great confusion. If there should be any cinnamon, cinnamon that should be alike, should be associated, it should be kindness. Christ was kind. His followers should be as well. Would you bow your heads with me?